You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I'm riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. No, I can't cross the road. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm so happy here, guys. I'm just riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. Good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR. It's Monday the 7th of December. 2020, we acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about bikes, cycling, related transport issues and all parts in between coming to you from the studios of 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, on today's show, I'm going to be talking to a Roland Postmar from uh, Planners Declare uh, about working t- towards uh, in the in the in the planning space and uh, what can be done in the planning space for transport and stuff. If you've been listening, oh, get my words a bit muddled here. But if you were watching. Uh, uh, last night on the ABC, David Attenborough's um, extinction. It was sobering. I mean, I, I was sitting there watching that thinking, I was kind of involved with stuff as a wee little tacker 40 years ago when Life on Earth and that was first shown on the ABC. And it's just, I don't know, there's no words I can say that we've just lost a couple of decades when we could have been fighting for a better world. But on a positive note, Roland uh, has, in uh, in a chat we had, um, outlines what we can do right now to take action against biodiversity loss and related issues to do with transport and planning. And uh, without further uh, thing, I might as well just get straight into that interview with Roland. I have got a fair bit of news and events today, and uh, we'll do that as after the interview. Sixteen days of action against gender-based violence, November 25 to December 10. In the lead-up to Human Rights Day 2020, Three CR's feminist and gender activists bring you grassroots content demanding change for the annual 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence campaign. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash 16 Days of Action. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having. So essentially, Planners Declare is a relatively young organization. It's an organization founded by young planners and also um, more senior planners in practice in Victoria mainly um, that, that that feel that planning uh, has so much potential and that we can do better to respond as a profession to the climate and biodiversity emergency. Uh, essentially, we are non-for-profits. 
and our kind of ethos is to be critical but positive so the idea is to be because we know planning is inherently political we need to be a bit more political um, but also we need to support especially young planners in practice uh, those especially when planning is taught to uh, be a tool to to combat and solve climate and the biodiversity emergency but what we see in practice it's complete uh, different from what we're taught. So with that support and also ensure that those in practice are accountable um, planning organizations and also planners in um, whether it's local government, state government and even federal governments. You're doing a across the board thing of people who are early career, mid career and continuing in the planning discipline. Would that be Correct. a because again, the the climate emergency is that the fact is we don't really have the time or the luxury, so therefore it must be action. Yes. So a lot of plants, especially even in planning and non-planning, talks about solving the emergency or responding to by twenty fifty, so going carbon neutral. Um, so we really believe that you know because of how much um, greenhouse gases, the both the built environment and also the transport transportation environment contributes, planning really has the potential to source something now and actually plan proactively with everyone, all stakeholders, because we know, you know, if planning, if we're effective in solving, we can actually bring a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and also plan because it's not about just, um, you know, te technology essentially won't solve the climate and biodiversity emergency. We actually need to change the built environment, how we move, how we house, where we work. So this is something that's not easy to change. So we need to start thinking now and how uh, planning practitioners, um, those in whatever sector starts as organizations responding, uh, individual, internally, and also externally. And, but we know that requires a lot of uh, coordination, but we know we've done the work. We know, what to, we, we know what needs to be changed. So essentially bringing research practice together and, and aim for change, systematic change um, in both practice um, and also um, in the public sector as well. So with someone, if someone's not familiar with the planning process and where it probably intersects with their life, can you give an overview where people would come across the results of planning? It's, it's one of those questions. Even as, as a profession, we can't really actually define what planning is. Uh, because planning is so broad and also the, there's competing interests. So essentially, in terms of what planning, it's everything that happens around you um, from how you get to work from, um, especially on a local government level, is because what a very important of planning is, is participatory. So basically, um, society participating in planning processes. So it's not to say as society we need to, uh, you know, you know, say whether we agree or something, we actually need to come together from the beginning, identify what the problem is and what are the solutions. So it's it's not society, so it's actually planning involves involving society from the from the start, not at the end, whether, you know, giving feedback on a road or uh, a train station or what it might be. So it is everything around you essentially, and that's very important. So uh, it's not us as technical experts saying what we need to do, it's actually us as, as everyone bring coming together identifying the problem and working together and that's what planning is it's not it's not top down it's actually bottom up community um, approach are you looking after someone aged a person with a disability or someone with a mental illness or medical condition as a carer 
you can access free support online, over the phone or in person. Carer Gateway is an Australian government initiative providing counselling, advice, respite and much more. Find out how Carer Gateway can help you. Call 1800 422 737, Monday to Friday, or visit carergateway.gov.au. Carer Gateway, connecting carers to support services. A 3CR supporter. Because it's a very interesting overview because many people would come into um, encountering planning with you know where they live and things going on with um, either buildings or developments near them and people feeling a bit well kind of cynical about the process okay that's on a probably um, a property development perspective but we're we're looking and there's where it interlinks with how we use our transport systems and that pertains to cycling, which is, you know, predominantly the theme of our show. Bringing us down to kind of cycling issues, if we want to kind of go to that point. Uh, what overview have you seen or can you kind of speak to? Have you seen since well, beginning of 2020, which has been a, um, an intriguing and painful year, there's been positives come out of it? Of course, of course. I mean... I mean, I mean, as as an individual, um, um, and also as a planner, young planner, you know, I would recognise the, the the damage and the harm that COVID nineteen has brought on society. But in the same breath, there's also, despite all the challenges, despite you know what has happened, what's still happening, you know, COVID is not over. Is there's new opportunities have arisen, especially of how we see our cities you know, with remote working. And, and what we have seen is that our local areas have morphed into community or a lot of activity. So a lot of activity has gone from the CBD or activity centers to kind of local activity centers where you see more people walking, even cycling, despite the lack of environment for, for safe cycling. But, you know, so it has almost a renaissance. I can't say the word apologies uh, to your viewers, you know, your local where your shopping center um, strip. So, and that's actually policy of um, when it, you know, bringing back to planning, which what we call the twenty-minute city. So, yes. with actually people, so it's a nice little segue. And this was not intentional. This was all because of COVID. Because we all had to work from home, and we could only walk in a, in a, in a especially in the last hard lockdown, in a very small radius. So, yeah, a lot more people walking, cycling, going to local stores, cafes, takeaway. I'm not sitting in, of, of course, um, obviously. But you know, so essentially, you know, it has a, a lot has change it's surreal and, and it's a new opportunity and what we like to say is planning towards a new normal so and this is not new for planning i mean this has happened in every crisis any health crisis the most bad example is paris for example i mean oh, that yeah. was a that's a military crisis where where they completely changed this you know it's the biggest urban development in the country um, where they completely changed the city um everyone lost paris um but that was you know that was because of uh you know uh, having more clearer streets this is not new to planning. So again, how can we capitalize on this opportunity and respond to a more resilient 
especially if there's another, if whether it's bushfires or whether it's another pandemic, that we as a community can respond much more better. And this is the opportunity. And I think we're responding to it to some degree. Yeah, because I was thinking with the Paris thing, they tore down like the old medieval city, but Parisians have those, I say, a well-built environment to a certain level and not this hodgepodge you see in other cities. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, with planning, that can give us directions where you can reduce emissions, reduce exactly. the amount of resources required to get around your city, building in yes. an equitable city. And this is a huge one with, with the COVID crisis, is that people don't have the money or the equitable transport solutions. And something I like to push back on is people thinking, or, you know, there's a thing that cyclists are the inner city and rich middle-class people. Something I'd really like to push back on is that cycling for transport and mixed mode is an equitable transport solution. And it gives people potential instead of like we have, you know, satellite suburbs of where you need two, three cars. There's got to be new and inclusive ways of getting around the cities and being able to live a quality life and do the things you need to do. Especially exactly. especially, especially with like a, our environmental crisis in Australia, which we seem to, I know, it's horrific what we were undergoing here 12 months ago and we seem to have skimmed over it and because we're a predominantly yeah. city-based country. I guess there's a big conversation between inner city, uh, middle, and those on the periphery, and also the divide between urban and regional. So there's a few disparities. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important to note that this shouldn't be an inner city. This should be an equitable. And that's very important because everyone loves cycling, but for most people, it's just not a reality. It's not just a reality oh. if they live in the middle. And of course, there are other potentials. So I guess the, the, the barrier is to kind of argue why we need cycling or why we need the 20 minutes compact city or the 50 minutes city, what's happening now in Paris, where they've completely taken away a lot of car parking. So it's actually an, an economical argument. Forget the sustainable environmental and biodiversity arguments and economical arguments. So people are, the studies that have found that people are spending more money at their local shops than traveling by car. And another thing to, to know is that cars take a lot of space if we plan a city around cars we actually are wasting a lot of space and economically that is you know you know if you imagine if i have a piece of property you can do much more with that piece of property so much have better productivity it's an economical argument to make but then people say well it's not convenient it's not convenient because the infrastructure doesn't exist Obviously, in some instances, you're, you're going to need a car. That's not the argument. The idea is not to have, not to ban cars, but to have less cars, but also to have infrastructure that doesn't just account for one form of transportation, but actually a lot of tr transportation, because that's the reality now. It's car-centric. So it's, it's about equity and making sure that we don't alienate those on the periphery, mm. um, but include those, uh, include everyone. And, but that can, that's going to require a big change a big investment. And the investment we have seen from the state government is just not enough. It's a penny in the ocean or a drop in the ocean. Women workers answer to COVID. Capitalism created this crisis, workers can solve it. Like the sound of shorter working hours in secure employment with no loss in pay? A comfortable income for everyone. Taxing the rich? 
jobs made public with workers in charge. You women who want to be free, just take a tip from me. Radical Women is launching this winning plan on the 8th of December at 7pm. Join others to take these demands into our unions and communities. All genders welcome. Contact Radical Women at optusnet.com.au. Radical Women is a 3CR supporter. Kind of a simple analogy that, you know, for, for cars, it's overuse. And we're seeing, just to take a step back from the actual discussion in terms of how things are changed or how change operates, and we're seeing a massive push-pull on a political and global perspective of, and I don't know how else to put this because I, I picked this up from reading an article on Brexit, and it's kind of tame capitalism versus untamed capitalism. So we yeah. have government spending on one hand, working with communities, and the other hand is just a free-for-all, do whatever you want and who cares about the consequences. Now, what do we actually want? We, as if we're going to survive as a species and the rest of us on the planet, these is where all this, these discussions lead to. Do you want to be living in an environment where we know change is happening, but we can control or alleviate, or do we have unrestrained capitalism? Mm. If you want to use these analogies where yep. we're going to be rolling towards four degrees centigrade and we'll yep. basically kill the planet. So they, these are really big discussions that permeate right down to the personal level. Which It does. It does. And I've gone way off track. But how can we pull this back into planning of how yes. planning can help? And can you give some examples of things you may have been involved with or things you know about? As I said initially, planning is inherently political. Now, I think it's quite dangerous to say capitalism is bad um, because, you know, it's certain aspects of capitalism. It's it's very easy to, you know, to, to push people into kind of boxes, if you may. Yeah, that's it, why I was doing the very general analogy between tame and unfettered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very complex. So for yeah. those who are listening, it's, it's, very, it's inherently very complex and there's a lot of grey areas. Bringing back to planning, you know, for us as practitioners, it's it's about participatory planning. So ensure everyone has a voice when it comes to planning process. And also, I mean, this is more theoretical and also evidence-based. So everything we do is evidence-based. So it's, it, we're a social science. We're not, you know, we're not, you know, we don't just say we want to have cities look like this. It's actually backed by science and research. So that's very important. That's what, what to me personally and planners declare, that's what planning is about. But we need to recognize politics, the kind of neoliberal aspect of our planning system and also metropolitan governance, especially in Melbourne. The biggest problem of metropolitan governance in the last few centuries is because we've delegated all the responsibility to the market. And yep. there, especially since the Kenneth era, there was no real regulation. So we had ad hoc market led developments, um, you know, pushing out to the periphery when we extended the urban growth boundary in the, 90, in the early 90s. Um, and also with even with um, Labour's livable plan in the early 2002, it was mm. vague. There was no real kind of how can we implement the kind of the aims and strategies we've identified through this plan. So in terms of planning, there's really been bad examples uh, when it comes to metropolitan governance. But there's been very good examples, especially at a local government level. And, and I can just think of uh, city of Yarra, city of Moreland, um, also the city of Melbourne, their transportation strategy. I think that's a very cool example where it was economical arguments to make despite councillors um, pushing for free parking now as a response to COVID-19, which was abysmal. There's been really good work where we've, we've, we've brought 
public and perspective and say, how can we plan? And fundamentally, how can we make the argument that what, and how we try plan our transportation affects everything else? Unfortunately, I haven't really been in practice. So I'm still a student. I'm graduating this year, hopefully. What from so from my colleagues that is part of Planet Declare. So I have a few colleagues that work in uh, for the government in, in the various roles in private capacity. Uh, so there's a lot of plans and a lot of good plans. But mm. for me, the, the broad change has happened at local government level, not at a state, uh, let alone federal level. Um, yeah. So local government is where the, the change is at and where society is included from the start, not at the end. So it's basically we're looking at um, proper benchmarks and you're looking at step change. Exactly. It's, you know, in planning, we love talking about what we need to do, but the problem is how. And yes. that's the biggest problem. And we can attribute that because planning is very complex, very jargony. Um, it, can, it, can, it can attribute to the fact that planning, the planning system in Victoria is very, there's a lot of grey areas. Very much. Um, but also the, the, the big elephant in the room or two is um, the new level elements of these plans when it comes to implementation, the kind of commodification of the planning system, essentially the planning system, you know, the biggest barrier is land and how we do and what we do with that land and how we try and how we plan around that land mm. and also the federal level there's the federal level has no coordination or no real it's all about the state so there's there's no real national plan and that's something PR so the P planning institute of australia have been advocating for a they've been advocating for a national framework on housing but we need to do that for everything because housing is interlinked to transportation it's interlinked yep. to commercial activity you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's unfortunately this you know we like to talk about how but when it comes to implementation there's a big void and that's the problem and that's something we need to address head on whether it's calling out neoliberalism that's according to the evidence so it, so as planners declare we're not a, we're not a political organization we're not, we're yes. not ideologically driven we're driven by by facts and science and that's it and we're not so for us from our perspective neoliberalism has a few um, good points but also fundamentally when it comes to planning and historically it's it's been the biggest cause of why we have two cities uh, a city for the the more affluence rich and you know a city why we don't have outcomes that we've identified in our plans um, but melbourne is a livable city for two but that's a different conversation for another day first LGBTIQ plus purpose-built centre opens early 2021 and we need your support. Be a giver this Christmas and send your loved ones a gift of pride. The Victorian Pride Centre has launched unique gift cards to fundraise fitting out the centre and they're the queer holiday cards of dreams. These affordable gifts and fun stocking fillers support the LGBTIQ plus community. Gifts of pride can be purchased with a few clicks. Head to pridecentre.org.au to start shopping and subscribe. The Victorian Pride Centre is a 3CR supporter. I'd say like cities like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, there's like three, four different cities, you know, if you want to get into that. But in, in closing with the uh, chat, how can people get involved uh, with Planners Declare or any other sort of process that uh, if they, if you know, on a local level? 
Excellent question, Chris. We're, we're not just talking to planners in, in various capacities, but also we're talking to other build form professionals or anyone. You don't have to have a built environment degree. Uh, essentially, we're at the moment building our website when we actually finally launch next year. Uh, new year, new era, hopefully, away from COVID, although COVID will still much be. Uh, so I, it can be for social media. We have an email address. We have a website. Essentially, we, we welcome anyone that feels or wants to know more about planning or feel planning can respond to the climate and biodiversity emergency because we do, because we want to be an environment organization that makes the argument. We don't need greener cars. We need less cars. Um, and that's the argument we want to make. And that's the argument we see that's missing, especially, you know, as we talk about how can we as a societies in both civil and private or public respond to the climate and biodiversity emergency. change we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. Listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 8.55am, digital live streaming on demand and a whole bunch of ways you can listen to 3CR, including podcasts, which uh, I'll be a little bit more uh, efficient and see if I can get up by today for today's show. Okay, news and events. Interesting bit of analysis, and I'm going to take it on face value and I'm going to do a bit more research on it, is that in the last New South Wales state budget... There was over $710 million in infrastructure for people who ride and walk for the next four years as a, reduce, as a way to reduce congestion can create jobs. And this was in the 2020-21 New South Wales state budget. I just quickly saw this off the Bicycle Network site and they've just gone through the uh, budget papers. The budget allocations could be hidden away within existing major infrastructure projects such as fixing local roads program and, uh, yeah, it makes it difficult. So I remember several times over the years trying to pull figures out of existing budgets for other things like councils and state governments and it's hard stuff. So they do have a future transport strategy 2056 up there. And there's a whole bunch of things. Like, you know, the plan proposes the delivery of connected cycle networks within 10 kilometres of the metropolitan city centres by 2026 and within five kilometres of strategic centres by 2036. Now, it was interesting to note upon that in uh, Roland's talk of, you know, we've got uh, planning regulations in Victoria are somewhat lacking teeth and are nebulous in terms of what if we get outcomes. On to local matters. Last week saw the announcement of the Hodelberg pop-up bike lanes. Now, this is a progressive rollout of pop-up lanes and engagement starting with Heidelberg Road link across inner city areas, which include, if I flip over the page, Maribyrnong, Moonee Valley, Molland, Melbourne, Derebin, Yarra, Stonington and Port Phillip. Now, I have discussed this on the show before. And this is off the Vic Road site. 
basically project timeline is October, December this year. It's ongoing and, yeah, implementation by in the next six months, which is quite good. And then, yeah, kind of the rollout and uh, assessment is uh, mid-2022. Now, if you want to find out more about that, uh, they do actually have, let's have a look, pop-up bike lanes. I'll say that again, pop-up bike lanes. That's all one word at roads.vic.gov.au uh, if you want to find out more about that. Also uh, coming up, Abbotsford Cycles have a swap meet coming up on Saturday, the December the 19th. And the details for that is it's 9am to 12 noon and the Farron Collection will be open after the swap meet at uh, 12.30. That's at Abbotsford Cycles. That's, you would know, is on Swan Street, Swan Street entrance side at the Richmond train station. And uh, if you want to get, uh, if you want to be a seller, uh, register for a seller, $10 for further information, contact Mark Bradley at Bark Madly. I'll say that again, Bark Madly, all one word, at netspace.net.au. And quickly, coming up this Wednesday, Moreland Bicycle User Group on the December the 9th, they have a Wednesday bug ride and that's going to be, it looks like it's going to start off at uh, 21 Station Street, Coburg. I got here, it's Wednesday 9th of December from 10am to 4 I will double check that. If you're on Facebook, you can probably double check that as well, but I will put the details into the podcast. Okay, thank you to Roland for making time for today. He showed me the view from his um, where he's living at the moment. It's of Table Mountain and it's the worst thing you've ever seen. It's appalling. I don't know how he can put up with it. You know, I'm being sarcastic. It is absolutely magnificent. I'd like to see you back soon, Roland. That's all we've got time for today. Don't forget that 3CR, we are volunteers and we survive on subscriptions and donations. So go to 3cr.org.au and select what option you would like to make a subscribe, donate. Make sure that you keep Radical Radio on air. Up next is Shebop followed by Black Block. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrow's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.